bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Um, today we have the retired head coach and athletic director at Gold Beach High School out there in Oregon, uh, Coach Kevin Swift. Coach, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. A little early, but I'm an early riser. <laughs> um, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. That, that's the great thing about time zones. It's like it's early there. Yeah, it's midday here. And it just yeah. <laughs> I got uh, I got up. It was dark out. There were deer in the yard, and uh, and the dogs. You want? Are we going for a walk now? I'm like, no. Nah, you got to wait till I come back. So, but no, it's nice. I I like mornings. I've always liked mornings. So this is sure, great. Curious question, because like. I've lived in Texas and Ohio. The deer in Ohio are fairly big, whereas in Texas, they're like slightly oversized dogs. Like how big do the deer get out there? It depends on what part of the state. On the coast, we have blacktail and they're relatively small. They get big racks, but they're small. I think the average you know, deer, you're probably going to get 60, 75 pounds of meat off. You go to Eastern Oregon where they have mule deer, and those those aren't quite as big as the whitetail you guys have up in Ohio and, and parts of Texas. But what our what we have, and thank God they weren't in a yard this morning, but we have we have Roosevelt elk that are just and um Coach Swift doesn't hunt because it's always during football season. But I am <laughs> more than I am more than willing um to let some of my players who bow hunt in that uh bring me uh some backstrap up in fact we just last week my, my wife a kid brought us a bunch of elk steak and backstrap there you go cook, cooked it up and uh while i don't hunt i'm really good at eating so um <laughs> but you know people ask me all the time you know why why didn't why don't you hunt and i'm like well because hunting is august through october and i'm hunting something else that time of year yep so but now uh yeah they're a little smaller so okay I'm just curious because you mentioned that now, just in case somebody doesn't know who you are, like, and I think that'd be pretty hard. I said that before we came on, like, I mean, you are fairly active on Twitter. You are well. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Known in the Flexbone slash option community, but in case somebody on probably the East Coast has lived under a rock or isn't social media prone, um, kind of do you want to talk about, I mean, you're retired now, but I mean, you were a longtime head coach at Gold Beach. Um, I think two state championships, if I remember correctly, are really successful. You want to talk about kind of your career and kind of how you ended up where you are today? I um, I was born into a, a coaching family. My dad was an educator coach for 52 years in the Southern California. Started in the 
in the uh, late 50s and wrapped up in the late 90s. Actually, I think uh, it might have been like 2008 is when his last year was. Um, so no matter how hard they tried to talk me out of being a high school educator and coach, it's in my DNA. Um, I grew up in Southern California, South Orange County, um, attended Servite uh, Trinity League School, had a great experience there. Played a couple years at University of Northern Iowa, uh, came back and finished up at D3, University of Redlands, and immediately went into coaching, started off at the collegiate level on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, I am, and, I, and I'm still passionate about, you know, one of the reasons I run the option is because my heart on my defensive coach. Um, but uh, at one time was the youngest defensive coordinator in the nation. Um, and... Uh, came to the realization that as much as I love division three and I really do like division three at that time, nobody was making a living as an assistant at a D three level. Um, so, uh, started coaching. I was kind of a defensive mercenary, you know, I, I went to one high school, be there for a couple of years, get the defense straightened out and someone would come along and, and in Southern California, you can do that. You can just, okay, I'm going to turn this way on the freeway rather than that way. Because schools are 20, you know, 25 miles apart. Um, so uh, in 1997, after uh, we had had our first daughter, uh, we moved to the rural, really rural um, Oregon coast with a four-month-old um, and came up to be uh, a head coach. My first head coaching opportunity, the only really head coaching opportunity I pursued and became a head coach uh, at Gold Beach High School on the Oregon coast and uh, went from 97 to 2018 um, and had had a great deal of success and, and, and truthfully had some failures too. I mean, you know, someone asked me long, a guy asked me, he says, you know, what are you still doing this for? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you, you created this just ultimate small school program in Oregon and you just, you know, you were just, you were dominant. You played in five state titles in 10 years, you know, and he goes, you're not very good now. Why are you doing it? I go, cause I'm a coach. I go, you know, those guys that are 400 and a hundred, those are anomalies in the game. Anyone who spends a life coaching at the high school level is going to end up 50 games above 500 or 50 games below 500. I go, you know, I have, you know, Bruce Rawlinson's a good friend of mine. Bob Lattisere is, is a, a mentor, acquaintance that, that I follow on that. And, and they're fantastic coaches, but they'll be the first to tell you that that's not where they're at. That's not the usual high school situation. I think if you spend 35 years coaching like I have, you're going to have a great deal of success. And you're also going to have some, some years where you're like, you know, why am I doing this? Um, but I'm a coach. It's in my DNA. I mean, and, you know, and you asked, you know, I'm pretty active on social media. Well, I don't get to coach kids anymore. So I'm trying to coach coaches, <laughs> trying to help. I mean, I have so much love for this game because I know what it does for us culturally. I know it breaks down divisions that are coming. I know it, it makes us tolerant of other people. It makes us appreciate the diversity within the game, which will help us appreciate the diversity in our world. I mean, there's, there's so many, there's just so many valuable cultural and personal and manhood lessons that are taught in the game 
that are so important for our society. So yeah, I got to keep my hand in it somehow. I, I just have to. And I, I have a great deal of love and affection for the guys that taught me the game. And uh, I, I want to continue to pay it forward like they did. So okay. ended up in 97 in gold beach coaching high school football. Um, so th- like I said, we're going to hit on some of the option stuff. I, I've just been curious and, uh, I mean, it's one of the things I've been looking at this off season, just in general, I was just trying to learn more. Um, I, I do, I like, I'll, I'm, we're going to hit on a bunch of different things, but like the first thing I want to ask you is, um, obviously the longer you're at school, the more advanced you get with your system because your kids are in the system longer. I think that's kind of typical, typically I'm not like that might not sure, but like, I, I mean, you were in the option for a long time. Where do you tep- typically recommend coaches start like year one in the option? I think, um, you know, first of all, one of the reasons I chose to run um, our version of the veer and option, which is much more similar to Nebraska's offense of the seventies and eighties than the service academies of today um, is the simplicity of it. You know, I wanted to be, and we still are very sophisticated and complicated on defense. Um, and because our kids play both ways, you know, you gotta, you gotta manage your 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 thinking for them. Um, and so, you know, one of the, I would say, the first thing you need to do is create a terminology that the kids understand, appreciate, and buy into and create some of those basic line calls, rules, and things like that. Um, you know, we, we run the option, but uh, when there's only three, there's only three blocking schemes. We're gonna block inside veer, we're gonna block outside veer, or we're gonna block midline. So, um, and all of our plays that we run follow, I mean, we run power, and it's inside beer blocking. Um, so I think you got to create a terminology and an offensive line system. You know, Bob Lattisera, I think, I don't know, 15 years ago in a documentary that I was watching about this hour in the morning said, the true indicator of the quality of your team is always going to be tied to the offensive line. And, you know, that kind of chapped my ass as a defensive coach. But as you think about it, your offensive line sets the tone for everything. They're gonna if you want a good defensive line, you better have a good offensive line that they can go against. And the one area of depth, you know, we're a small school, but the one area of depth we always had was linemen. And I, I don't know why, but we were blessed with them. Um, so while most of our kids play, played both ways, a lot of our linemen didn't have to play both ways. Um so I'd say, you know. Created, you know, because I came up with my own terminology and we were practicing the first day and I called the play the way we call it. And I watched my two running backs run into each other. And uh, my uh, my then offensive creator turned to me and says, how about we just call it double right? I'm like, hey, I like it because I was, you know, 18 option, you know, 19 option, stuff like that. So we created a terminology of language and an offensive line system in 1997 that we still use today um and well and i know we don't use it today because i'm not coaching but we used it clear up to the end you know a lot of coaches say 
and we're going to run a system that fits our personnel. And I agree with that. Um, but we created a system that our personnel, regardless of size, speed, or that could fit into. On years when we had more talent, more speed in that, we did a little bit more out of this side of the playbook. On years where we didn't have that talent and stuff, we ran a little more of this out of the playbook. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of changing things every two or three years. Um, and, our, and our playbook, I, I don't think it's deep, but it's very versatile. Mm -hmm. and in other words, we can have a wrinkle here, a wrinkle there, and not rock the boat if, if we have the ability to do that. Um, so I think I think you just got to create a system for your offensive line that, that can gel and, and carry on from year to year. Um, you know, what particular plays? I think you want to get inside variant. I think you want to get um, outside variant. Uh, we didn't put midline in until two or three years later. Because when I got here, Flexbone wasn't a big deal. Uh, not, not a lot of people were running Flexbone. Um, so midline came later. But, you know, we ran inside veer, outside veer. And, you know, outside veer goes with lead and load and speed, which is just two-man options. Um, and then, you know, I stole from De La Salle like everybody did. Um, and one of the reasons I like I-backs as opposed to split-backs is we, we became a really good counter-tray, counter, counter tray, you know, counter-GT pulling. And, you know, they call it power. A lot of people call that that blocking scheme of power. We always called it counter because, our, you know, as a former defensive coordinator, I loved defending I-teams because the fullback takes you to the ball. Um and so we would purposely, you know, run inside veer 15 times and then come back with counter. And you'd watch the linebackers just run themselves right out of the play and, you know, and run counter. And, and it was, it was a lot of times that was a, a, a series breaker for us. Um, so I think, I think one of the greatest compliments my dad ever gave to me and my dad and I were completely different coaches, completely different. He was a wing ting, you know, secret handshake cult, all that things that go with wing T and I just wasn't that smart. Um, but um, he said, you have unbelievable patience. I'm like, well, what do you, I'm not sure that's a compliment, dad. He goes, you don't have a problem going you know three yards all the way down the field in a nine minute drive most coaches can't do that and i started studying that you know we played a, he's a rivalry he's a good guy i love him he's coaching up in the northern part of the state now but he was a wing t guy and we're playing him in 04 in the semis and we're having problems stopping him but then he gets down inside my 20 and he throws the ball three straight times and I, I, I scream across this field, thanks, appreciate that. Because um, I think coaches get impatient. I think players get impatient. I think, you know, where's that big play? Where's that 20-yard scoring drive? And I don't know. Again, you know, at my heart, I'm a defensive guy. I want to I go, and you're a defensive guy. It's, it's really easy if you give up a 60-yard touchdown to go, oh, we got a blown assignment, or hey, Coach, really bad call. But when they're all the way down the field at three, four yards a clip, that steals the defensive soul. I mean, the frustration level, the the aggravation, inability to adjust. Um, 
really plays on a defensive psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that you, you got to be patient with the install. You got to be patient with your kids. I think the first year you put in the option, I think you, I think you got to buy in and stay with it. You're not going to get what you want the first year. You're not going to get what you want the second year. You're not going to start seeing it gel and become what you want till you're you know late in year two, the beginning of year three. Because, and I would say that's true of any offense. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think in the nature of high school and and all of our kids playing multiple sports like we want. I, I just don't think you can. Uh, expect results year one right away you know i know you guys in, in ohio have real strict limits on what you can do in the summer we're pretty uh we're the wild west out here um you know we can meet with our kids we can we, we can go to padded camps and compete um and do those things but i, I think you got to be patient and you got to believe with what you're installing i think so often people jump off the bandwagon if they don't get instantaneous results and, I, and that, that creates this hodgepodge of, of offensive decisions that really in the long run come back to bite you in the butt because you're not developing anything. Okay. Now, can I continue with that? Like, I mean, what did, what was your typical install process look, uh, look like? I, I know most coaches start with inside veer um, or midline, usually one or the other. Okay, but what what is what I mean, and obviously it might change year to year depending on some small factors or something. But like, what was your typical um, install process on what in, in order? We um we always started with inside beer, and we always started with inside beer going weak side. You know, we're still a tight end team, um, and we always started with um, inside beer, and we would go weak, and we would go against you know the fronts we were going to see and and um, really emphasize um, the the steps. You know, um, I'm I, you know I, I'm I've never played offensive line. And I'm not, I don't look like an offensive line coach in that. But when I came up here, I had to become the offensive line coach. And I, I truthfully, I kind of turned into a pretty good one. Um, but I also was blessed with some kids that bought in and, and did the right things. So we would you know let's say day one we would come out. And we would install, um, let's, let's assume that during the summer, the kids know all the formations already. So day one, we would start with, hey, we're going to run inside here against our defenses. You know, let let our young kids learn their defensive alignments. And we're going to run inside here, uh, weak side. And we would run it with out of eye backs. We'd run it out of orbit motion. Uh, um, we'd run it out of gun. I'm not a big gun guy, but you know, you, you got to keep the kids kind of excited and, you know, they got to see some things on TV. So they don't think, you know, that you're running something when they used to fold up the helmets and put in your back pocket. So we would go inside beer week and, and then um, probably that afternoon we'd introduced um, inside beer, you know, to the strong side. And, um, and that was day one. Um, and typically by day three, we were installing outside veer and we would run outside veer and you would teach the kids that, okay. And I have a real, and I don't know where it came from, but when we teach inside veer, we teach our line this, we're going to go from the nose of the center to the play side. And the first place we can find a double team is where we're going to double team. 
and that's inside beer. So if we're getting if we're getting a, a zero a nose guard, and we're getting a, a reduced eagle front, I don't know what they call it today. I don't know, tough or whatever. But I got two tackles in 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 three. You know, if our center if our center can handle the guy on his own, he's going to call solo. The guard will tag it with a BK, which tells the tackle he and the guard are going to double team, and we're going to double team that guy. We don't we don't combo block. I think kids come off too early. I think blocks don't get finished at level one. We teach our kids you're going to double team that guy and you're going to put him in the linebacker's lap. Um, and so we would you know really focus on steps and the rules, and we would talk about. You know, hey, we want to attack the bubbles. We want to attack the creases that lead to bubbles. And we really taught our kids how to pick apart a defense with inside veer and outside veer. Well, once you got outside veer in on day three, and outside veering was, okay, we're going to go from the tight end's nose, and we're going to work in to the play call, and we're going to find a verse double team. Well, typically, if you're playing a you know five-man front, you're going to get – you know, that, that head up on the tight end, and we're going to come down and block that four eye or, or five uh, shade tackle and double team and run outside beer and leave that in on an Island. If, if they're not in that outside beer becomes inside beer and the kids understand that. So now we have inside beer, outside beer, load, lead, speed, spin. You know, we got two blocking schemes and six plays behind it. Um, so we would work it, you know, that way. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny. And, and I, I was talking to a coach last night, um, when we put in the option and I wanted to run the option, I did not want to run mesh for an hour and a half every day, having guys read it and do that. Yeah. And I think a couple of things that, that I learned as I was evolving in the option game, when I grew up. And I never played offense, but Servite, like like a million other high schools in the 70s, ran the veer, split back veer, Billy Omen, um, and all that. And everybody was playing head up, reading the hat of the offensive lineman, and reading. And therefore, your quarterback would take a, a, a step back reach and read the guy all the way to the line of scrimmage for a half yard and then pull it or give it, depending on what he saw, Will there's not many defenses that are going to line up head up and read hats anymore. It's gap control. It's pressure. It's, you know, edge players coming. So we had to change the way we think about option football. You know, when I grew up, everybody took three foot splits. Well, you take three foot splits today at the high school level, you're going to get killed. So we want the two foot splits and, and we're and in, and, and that, and, um, and we, you know, we put in some zone ideas for guys that are, you know, playing tap and go and games like that. You're going to spend, I think any offense of line has to spend time with like three or four basic schemes and perfect them against what defenses do today. You know, I had, a, you know, typical, I get here, there's a dad that played in the veer in the seventies. He goes, you're not stepping right. You're not reading. I'm like, Scott, Nobody does it. If, if, if we reach back and read it like they did in the 70s, the quarterback's going to get killed. You know, we're going to make quick reads. You know, we're going to stick the ball out. We're going to be, we're going to ride into the line of scrimmage, but we're going to make decisions on pull or give a lot quicker. And Coach Peterson, 
who years ago was the offensive coordinator at Air Force. I cornered him at a um, at a clinic, a glacier clinic, and I said, okay, let, let's talk about this. He goes, hey, half the time, we're not reading the inside. Alignment tells us if we're going to give it or pull it. And he goes, and how many of your kids read a book? And I'm like, eh, they don't read much. And he goes, so what makes you think they can read a defense? And so what we discovered and we talked about, if you run it, you know, let's say, let's say you got a quarterback that's a three-year starter. So we predetermined it his first year. He reads only the outside part. We 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 predetermined it halfway through his junior year. He's only reading the outside part. But by the middle of his junior year, he gets pretty good at guessing. He gets pretty good at, oh, they're doing this. So I need to do that. Um, and that's worked really well for us. Um, I don't want to spend an hour and a half going, did the tackle's shoulder turn you to, to you know, I, I just don't think, I, I think the game's faster now. I think those reads, and, and if the service academies who have the brightest, steadiest, best, loyal Americans in all the world are making decisions on alignment, then I think little old Gold Beach can too. Um, and I and I wanted to be a little bit more diversified than just option. We have a great three-step passing attack that goes with it. Uh, we run buck sweep. Um, I never could get rocket in like Paul Johnson on all those flexible guys. But I liked what Paul Johnson said. You got to give that, that defensive end a different look other than down, 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 or arch, arch, arch. So when you run buck sweep, Hey, I'm hooking you now. And we usually have no problem hooking the tight end because he's so used to seeing option and we run buck sweep. Uh, you know, I, I want to run some play action. Um, but we, we 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 identify as an option team and all the pronouns that go with it. Um, but um, we tie it to a really good three-step passing attack um, and one-step passing attack that has really done well for us. So that's kind of, you know, I, I'd say install your offensive line scheme and, and principles, install inside veer. We always start weak. We always start left. I purposely want to be left-handed. Because in a, like in a lot of places whose kids play both ways, you know, you, you got to play your, your kids on the defensive left so they're handling all those right-handed offenses. I purposely want to be left-handed to screw that up for people. Um, and so that's kind of how it installs. And then we wrap. I mean, we just wrap, 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 wrap. Um, and the kids have actually learned to tell Coach Swift to shut up. I mean, in 2004, I, I decided, hey, let's put in this little wrinkle. I really like this little wrinkle. And we're trying to do it in practice. And I'm losing my mind because we can't do it. And my quarterback puts his arm around me and says, hey, back out of here, coach. Leave me alone for a minute. And I'm like, okay. He goes, we're going to inside beer. We're an inside beer team. That's who we are. And we proceeded to run inside beer and look and run outside beer and look phenomenal. And that taught me sometimes you tinker too much. You got to let the kids run what they believe in. And by the time 2004 got here, our kids believed that we could run inside beer against the Las Vegas Raiders and run it for four yards of pop and we bring it. Um, and you know, you're a coach. When kids start to believe things like that, that makes up for a lot of lack of talent, lack of coaching, lack of all those things. Just that burning desire to run that play, 
and my kids, you know, everyone says, why you run, why you run the option? Cause I'm not, I'm not very sophisticated guys. I'm a brawler. You know, I'm Irish Catholic guy that you, you guy likes to go out and get in fights every now and then and brawl. And, and my kids who consider themselves outdoorsmen, rugged, you know, they, they, they bow hunt, they spend, you know, three days in the woods surviving on wood chips to hunt. They think they're tough. And so I play to that personality. I mean, we, we want to be Billy badass up there on that line. And, 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 and that, that works for us. It may not work everywhere, but it works for us here. Now you mentioned a couple of things there, and we'll kind of hit on first uh, formation wise. Um, one, how many did you typically carry, and then two, was it like? And I'm just always curious on how people do it. Is it each formation has a name, or did you tag your base formation to get into? No, we're I, this is going to age me. We use Dick Vermeil's terminology from UCLA. So flanker ER is. Uh, you know, two by one with a tight end to the right, the X to the left, I backs, flank, flips it. So we run, let's see, we got flank or flank, twinner, twinner, acer, ace, winger, winger. So, you know, we got five formations, five formations um, that we run five base run plays out of. And if I need more than five, we're not going to win anyways. Yeah. So. And then on top of that, I mean, you mentioned, um, what was it? Rocket motion. How many most, like, I know there's a lot of things you can do in motion and it's really reflective on what your kids can do and what you want to do that given year. But how many motions did you, obviously you kept the, the basic orbit motion, but it, yeah, we keep orbit motion, but we have, we have, um, Zip and zipper, which is, you know, Z motion across the formation. So if we start out in flanker, I can go zip and bring the Z across, you know, to the left side of the formation. Um, we have, we have, you know, flat, we, if we tag flex on any of our formations that puts the tight end out as a standup detached. Um, we don't ever call orbit motion. The kids have to know, oh, this is a play that orbit goes with. Yeah. Um, but uh, we don't do a whole lot of, you know, I always wanted to do tight end trade and stuff like that. We just never got to it. So, you know, basically five formations, five, five base run plays. Okay. I was just curious. Um, also from what, I mean, you mentioned you didn't want to spend an hour on mesh. Like, and then you're very, and that, that's, yeah, that's fine. Like, so what did a typical offensive practice look like for you? Um, we always started off with, uh, 15 minutes of endo and, you know, like every good option team, you're on a hose, you're running inside veer. And one of the things we emphasize, even though we're not reading it, Hey, you gotta, you gotta step into the line with the guy. You have to keep your eyes on the defensive end. You have to give the perception that you're going to, you know, one of the things that high school kids do, they get lazy. They hand the ball off because they know it's predetermined and they don't do a really good job of carrying out fakes, carrying it. And, and he, we literally bust out films and show them, Hey, look how, look how you taking the fake and carrying it out. Like you got the ball keeps that backer out there. And then you come back to the next play and he doesn't do a good job copping out, carrying out the fake and he's in there. And we, and we tell the kid, Hey, down the line, 
you're going to read this or you're going to guess this. Um, so we spent 15 minutes. We usually go inside veer, outside veer, and midline. And we usually have, you know, three hoses, three groups running it. And then we would go to um, what we called half line. Um, and we would run half line. Um, well, here, let me back up because that's wrong. We started every day throwing the ball. We were going to start on what we did. The, what, the weakest part of our game is what we always started on. And like everybody who grew up when mommy was developing the air raid, we run what we call the Kentucky drill where all three quarterbacks and a coach and we call routes and everybody's taking drops and everybody's throwing to the receiver. And we do that for 15, 20 minutes. It's a good little warm up for our kids. They get going and we get good at throwing the ball. Um, and then we go to the endo where we were on a hose and we're, um, we're working on mesh and I know that nobody uses them anymore and everybody thinks they're archaic and everybody thinks it's bad juju, but the linemen go down to a five man sled and I get in their heads. Um, you know, unfortunately I grew up on the North gate of camp Pendleton and I have a great deal of affection for old school drill instructors. So we'll get on the five man sled and we'll work steps and, and I do things a little bit differently. My starters are going to get on the five man sled and they may not come off for eight to nine reps uh, because everybody can do it once and look good and then go back to the line and wait again. I want to know how you're going to do it on that seventh one of an eight play drive where you're tired and fatigued. And then I start screwing with kids. Hey, your steps an inch long. You got to give me five up downs. We're going to do it again. And the kids, I mean, you know, I, I went to a clinic in uh Texas a few years ago, the Hill Country one, and listen to the defensive coordinator um, from Westlake say, you know, my job is to take well-to-do white kids and turn them into mean son of the guns that are going to get to the ball with an attitude. And, and, and because I believe in what Bob Lattisera said about the offensive line, I'm going to make my offensive line fundamentally really good. I'm going to make them come off the ball. I'm going to do that. But I'm going to make them one ornery, mean group of kids that want to do that. And it's very, you know, all my coaching buddies in Southern California are going to just like, ah, he's using the sled. He used his chutes. I bet she uses ladders too. Um, but, you know, I I'm running – I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong because I believe it's right. I'm doing what I need to do for my system because it's right here. And at the end of the day, my kids are much more concerned about winning than getting a scholarship. I mean, the number one place our kids go after school is the United States Marine Corps. And, um, and I'm pretty proud of that. Um, and, and we approach the game very much like the Marines approach basic training. Um, I think you can teach kids to be physical. You know, we all have, we all as coaches, uh, we got this kid. He's a really good kid. He's a good athlete, but he's just not very physical. He's not very mean. And that doesn't happen overnight, but I think, you know, you got kids for three, four years, you can develop a physicalness and not a bully mean, you know, bad kid in the hallways, but one of a kid who's in the trenches, who's going to physically dominate the guy across from him.
you know, we're not a finesse option team. You know, when I got Nebraska's playbook in 1999, and it was from, uh, I want to say, um, 1982, 1983, Nebraska's offense, as you were reading through that, you come to discover, holy cow, they're power football. Yeah. They're running option behind a power offensive line principle. And, and that's what we became more than that true reading finesse offense that, that so many people run. Um, ours is much more interest, uh, based on our influence of power. And, you know, we still, you know, read it and we still, you know, do the finesse, but we tell the kids, if you can't double team somebody two yards and the fullback can't fall forward two yards, then we got a problem. You need to man up. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm a history teacher. Two versus one should win every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Every day of the week. Um, and so, you know, we've, we, they adopted their coach's charming personality up front. And we tried to impose our will. So, yeah, I hope that answers that. Now I'll, I got two more questions for you before we go. Go for it. Um, because I know some, I, I know you, like you, you mentioned a little bit already and we've talked a little bit about inside beer already. And I saw your Twitter exchange. I think it was yesterday at some point, like just a couple, like two things on inside beer real quick. One, I mean, you've mentioned a little bit how you install it, but can you like go through your process of installing it? And then two, what do you like, is there any little tips, tricks, anything you think people miss um, with inside beer? Um, Okay, so where do you, you want me to install it up front or up in the back first? So up front, we talk about we talk about uh, stance, we talk about splits, we talk about six inch steps, we talk about second step down wins. The first step is great, but the guy that can get the second step down and and butt where he wants and and body position usually wins. We talk about driving the guy uh, in the double team upfield. We talk about getting enough push that it gets in the linebacker's way. We talk about steps and closing gaps and angles. And we, I mean, we spend a lot of time with feet on the offensive line and body positioning. And then we take the quarterback and we say, okay, so it's inside here. That means you're going to take either a, a five o'clock or a seven o'clock step on a center exchange. You're going to stick the ball not back to the fullback because he's hitting the hole faster. You're basically going to stick it on the, the guard's asshole. The fullback's going to come through. As he's coming through, you're going to step and ride with him into the line of scrimmage and gently pull the ball out or or put the ball in and then you're going to attack the inside shoulder of the pitch read which is the defensive end usually and if that outside shoulder turns to you you're going to sit down and pitch the ball and we talk about sitting down allows you to absorb the hit that the defensive end is going to put on and keep you protected I think another reason we chose to go to the eye rather than split back the, the first couple of years when we were split back, it was really tough for us to get that pitch guy in the right relationship going downhill. I think when you have your pitch back in the eye formation, 
he's going downhill right away. And so we, we really talk about the pitch being literally right down the line of scrimmage or just slightly back. We don't want a backwards pitch. We want to be attacking the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and, and so we'll work that. We'll talk about the, the, um, the offensive right receivers getting off the ball, the aiming point for the stock block. We'll talk about how we can change our perimeter blocking. We can tag it with crack. We can tag it with X. We can, if we, if we decide, let's say that, that uh, I have a, a, a pretty good athlete at tight end, we'll, we'll tag it with, with uh, what we call X, which will bring the Z down to the ends to the outside backer and the tight end will arc out to the corner. Um, I also like that because that gives somewhat of an illusion of one of today's modern pass schemes. Um, so that's kind of how we install it. Okay. And it, it really, I, wish, my I really wish it was more sophisticated than that, but it's not. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm just, I'm just curious on how everybody approaches things differently and teach things differently. And everybody has found their best way to find the teacher for kids. And I'm just curious how people do it. Um, Cause you can always learn something off that. Um, my, my last question is really two. It's, it's really two questions. I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna say it's two parts, but it's really two. So let's, um, I can guess what your favorite option play is. I'm gonna guess inside zone, but I could be wrong. Now when I say favorite option play, what I'm saying is not necessarily your best play. The one you just generally enjoy either teaching or calling. Is it, inside beer or is it something else like i'm just i'm just gonna ask like it's it's you know in 2007 we won the state title uh 42 to nothing and my my late father called me and he just was giggling he goes you're never gonna get a job anywhere else i'm (laughs) like why he goes you ran the same play 36 times (laughs) i'm like yeah but you raised me if they can't stop it keep running it and if they stop it then run it the other way so you know, our fullback had 258 yards in a state championship. Um, I and and here I used to think I loved lead and speed because you you bang it outside. But one of the things I think why I love inside veer because I think inside veer makes getting outside easier because that dive keeps those inside backers occupied. Because we're an I team and people know the fullback kind of takes to the ball when we run lead or load they they kind of and, and we run it successfully i mean we have ways to get it but i really like inside veer because i think it allows you to get to the edge a little bit easier you know i was i was always raised and taught that the weakest part of the defense is the c gap you know that that's the crease that everybody's concerned about that's that's the crease that leads to big plays. (laughs) So if you run inside there, that keeps that C gap somewhat exposed. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, you you got me. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I love inside inside beer because I, I love teaching it. I love inside beer because my kids love it. And, and truthfully, I think every, every team adopts the personality of their coach and 
Coach Swift is a no-nonsense, kick the door in, um, charming personality type guy. And and I don't, I certainly don't hide that from anybody. I, I, I probably should learn to be a little bit more polished in that. But yeah, I love it. And I love running at weak side. And and truthfully, you know, we have a great up-tempo, no-huddle run uh, that are, where our quarterback's free to call the play because we teach him how to call the play and my quarterbacks have adopted my personality you know we're gonna we're just gonna slip my my kids are brawlers i mean they love three yards four yards you know and yeah okay and then my last question to you because i i've been really since the end of the last season i've like started <laughs> reading really heavily um it's one of the things that i've gotten into really doing and especially finding like older football books is something I've enjoyed. Like looking at my wall right now, I have like <laughs> football's twin eye attack and belly option football, which are books from the eighties or nineties on the option. Those are just two examples. I got football, super split defense. I have a kicking book from the seventies all over I'm there. I'm looking at my library and half those books you mentioned, I got over there. <laughs> so, so like I, I'm, like I generally like old, especially older books. I like I'll read newer ones. Steve, too. my the book, my Bible is Steve Axman's The Modern Veer. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, do you have any book recommendations? Yeah. Or uh, well, I, I go one step further. Anything you can get from Bob Lattisere at De La Salle, um, documentaries, videos, all of his books, because I think I think. I think the way Bob and I installed the Veer is so much part of the culture that we're also installing. Um, so I think anything, you know, by uh, about De La Salle, you know, one uh, one great game, which talks about the Poly De La Salle game of 2000, um, you know, when the game stand tall. Uh, but as far as what I learned you know, I grew up in the 70s, Servite, you know, ran, you know, Turk Schoner, who was an All-American at Stanford, played in the NFL, backed up Boomer at Cincinnati for years, mm -hmm. had to run a stinking beer option in high school. Um, you know, and so, you know, I learned, and, and I, you know, I was raised by football coaches, so, um, I think anything uh, in that, but uh, you know, I got I got the the Delaware wing tee. I, I I think like you, and it was really good to hear that out of a young coach. The more I learn, the more I can pick up nuances of everything that are applicable or not applicable. I think young coaches whose egos are a little bit more fragile than older guys who've had the crap beat out of them for a long time. Um, <laughs> um, I think I think they they tag their reputation too much to what they do. You know, yeah, I'm I'm an option coach, but I'm so much more than that. Yeah. Um, and you know, and you know, for years we tried to put in rocket. God, we were terrible at it. So hey, well, you know, I got I faced Buck Sweep two or three times during the year. Let's put that in. You know, because that's going to do. You know, and and I love Paul Johnson. You know, and he's talking about you got to give that defensive end a different look. Well, Buck Sweep does that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm an avid reader. I'm an avid um, follower of the game. Um, so, yeah, 
I'm trying to look. I, my eyes are going. Uh, Chasing Perfection is a great one. Um, you know, anything by Homer Wright, uh, Homer Smith on the option is really good stuff. So, okay. I was just curious. Like I said, I, I have, I literally probably not counting what's in my classroom that I need to read. Uh, well, and the other thing too is, and I, and, and I, I don't mean to plug this, but I'm going to, good, good. that football tool chest that, that you guys have to put together. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, you go some, you can go down so many rabbit holes in that thing. Um, you know, I think one of the things I would like to see more in the football tool chest is more high school coaching, more high school video, more high school. Yeah. You know, one of the, in fact, the next article I'm going to write for Kenny and headsets is, you know, what should your off season clinics look like? And, you know, nobody likes going to Glacier more than I do. Nobody likes going to college campuses more than I do. But when I started taking my kids and coaches to modern day, and we had big camps here, and, and our coaches had a chance to go hang out with other successful high school coaches and see how they do things, I think that's a little bit more transferable. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to have a 6-5 guy that runs a 4-4 playing defensive end ever. So, you know, Florida State can do some things yeah. with a 6-5-4-4 guy at D-end. I can't. Um, and so, you know, one of my wishes as I move forward with this helping the profession is have guys willing to share what they do at the high, you know, and and we still haven't gotten past that paranoia. If I give it to you, they're going to know. Well, everybody – Everybody I lined up against for 18 years know exactly what we're going to run. And they still had trouble stopping it. I mean, I, we're, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not developing, you know, a rocket to get to Mars. I'm running an offense. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I would appeal to high school coaches, be willing to share with peers, because I don't think so many people in your region are going to get and see what you're doing, but you're helping somebody in another region of the country promote the game, promote your style, and promote what you're doing yeah so perfect coach now a couple things one uh coaches uh the clinic he did for me will be in the bio um the link to the football tool chest will be in the bio um make sure you like share subscribe all that stuff so people can not only find this but uh, the other videos including his clinic video that he's done um uh check out our sponsor coach pad uh give coach a follow on twitter i mean he's a great follow not only he just he spits out all kinds of information um, and he's extremely active. If you ever want to get a hold of him, he is extremely easy to get a hold of. Um, otherwise, that is in our episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.